Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Okay. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Aligned Attraction. Today, Ani and I are going to be talking about the ways that we subconsciously sabotage love. Right now, we are gearing up to host a free live half-day virtual retreat for women called Sexy Secure Love happening on Saturday, September 16th. And we are so excited for this because what we're going to be diving into on Saturday is how to create a relationship with ourselves and with our partners that feels deeply safe and ridiculously sexy because we get to have it all. And my path to getting to this place where I've created that kind of relationship with myself and with Ani has been one wrought with a lot of initiations and challenges. And when I say wrought, I mean I created them as a way to become the woman that I am today. And so we really want to speak to these unconscious or subconscious sabotage patterns that we see a lot of women play out when it comes to intimacy, whether they're single or partnered. Relationship status doesn't even matter because we can be in a relationship and still be low-key sabotaging things behind the scenes without even our own awareness. I'll start by sharing that this was a very personal story for me because for most of my life, what I wanted more than anything was love. I wanted to be approved of. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to know that I was good enough, that if somebody really got a peek behind the curtain and they saw something, they saw all of me, that they would still want to stay. And that's not the experience I had in my childhood because both of my parents traveled for work. And what my little girl brain made meaning of that was that I'm not good enough to keep them around. And so I, that was a narrative that I had really navigated and, and struggled with for most of my life. And I really played that out a lot in my romantic partnerships. And so while I wanted love, while I wanted intimacy, while I could journal for days about my perfect man and how our relationship was going to be and all the things, I kept intimacy and I kept people at arm's length for my whole life because I wanted to have control. I wanted to have the upper hand. And keeping people at a distance is the only thing that felt safe for me to explore because letting people in deeply felt very dangerous. And so this is what we're going to talk about today because I know that as I say this, Many of you who are listening can really relate to this. And it wasn't until I came into this partnership with Ani that I actually saw myself fully. And the interesting thing about this is that intimacy and closeness is the thing that so many of us long and yearn for the most. 
Yet sometimes it feels like it hurts. Sometimes it feels dangerous. Sometimes when we let people in, we can get hurt. We can feel hurt. We can experience pain. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Let's start by just really level setting. We have spoken to so many women on the podcast, in real life, women in our personal friend circle, women who are in inside the Aligned Attraction School, which is our relationship school for women. And something that we all want is closeness. And the interesting paradox here that so many women experience is we want so deeply to be fully seen and known. Yet it's the thing that feels most terrifying to imagine and experience. Because if someone fully sees us and knows us, what if they don't like what they see? So we do all of these things to put on a front, to present ourselves, to be what we think the other person needs us to be, to say the right thing. And it keeps us separated from ourselves. And I want to bring this conceptual conversation into reality for a moment. This is what it can look like because I knew myself to be such an outgoing person, to be so friendly, life of the party, everyone loves me. And what would happen behind the scenes is that I'd be dating a guy and this subconscious sabotage pattern would play out in helping me create distance by me judging him for something and getting critical. So I'd often nitpick, even if just in my own head, and I'd find someone's flaws. One, this is a reflection of what I was already doing to myself. And I was projecting that onto men by finding ways to disqualify them. Because if I disqualified a man, then he wouldn't be the one that gets too close and then rejects me. So if I find fault in him first, or if I end the relationship first and I leave him, I keep the upper hand and win. Nobody gets too close. Then I don't have to contend with this quote unquote reality I've had in my head that says I'm actually not good enough. And somebody at some point may bring that to my attention. And then I'll have to feel all the feelings of pain and hurt that are wrapped up in that reality that was formed when I was a little girl. And so I would judge and criticize. I would pull away or I'd become distant and aloof. I might ghost someone. I might go off the grid for a few days. I may give them a limited response. I might play hard to get. I would keep a wall up as well. So I would avoid intimacy. And for me, when I was dating, what that looked like was avoiding sleepovers. Even if I was steadily dating this person, I wouldn't let him sleep over. I wouldn't sleep over his place because there's something that's so intimate about waking up next to someone. I find it's even more intimate than going to bed with them. There's something that's so quiet and gentle and revealing about the morning and seeing someone in their true light, in actual light, that's not fueled by substances or something else. And so when I would do all of that, this kept me at a safe distance. And then the other pattern that I saw myself play out was when I was really interested in a man, I would become overeager or clingy. And I've repelled a lot of men this way. And so that was how this looked when I was single. But I want to speak to the women who are partnered as well, because we can also have 
subconscious sabotage patterns. Just because we quote unquote get the guy doesn't mean the inner work is over. Upon coming into this relationship with Ani, I probably tried a million and one things to blow it up, whether that was starting conflict out of nowhere, shutting down, walling off, becoming critical and finding his flaws, and then creating stories in my mind about the kind of man he is or isn't so that I could create distance and prove the subconscious narrative in my mind that I'm not good enough. And so whether you're single, dating, or partnered, we can all have subconscious sabotage patterns if intimacy fundamentally feels unsafe for us, if it felt unsafe for us in our childhoods, and if we have not cultivated the ability and capacity to know and feel, no matter what happens here, I got my back. Because when we know and feel that, when we show up for ourselves unapologetically, in any emotion, in any state, no matter how ashamed or embarrassed or disappointed or angry we feel, then it doesn't matter truly what the person on the other side does. Because even if he leaves or he ghosts or he asks for a divorce, it can feel devastating, but we know at the end of the day, we're going to be fine. And so when we cultivate that state inside of us, that that's when we can take the mask off. But getting to that point is the journey of truly expressing and embodying who we are and letting go of the subconscious sabotage patterns. The other thing here is also when we've spent a lifetime outsourcing love and approval and we end up in relationships or even in dating scenarios where we're putting it on them. We're putting it on them to validate us. We're putting it on them to approve of us. We're putting our sense of feeling connected and intimate on someone else, dependent on someone else, when they leave, it's devastating because we don't have, we haven't developed that inner bonding with ourselves. So that also creates a lot of anxiety in relationships because there's so much riding on this other person staying. There's so much riding on this other person continuing the relationship and feeling the same way about us. And that's a lot of pressure. And that kind of pressure has the exact opposite effect because it pushes people away because no one wants to be the single point of failure for someone else's sense of self. There's a couple of things in what you said that are worth highlighting. So one is, where does this come from? So this comes from when we're kids, when we're really young and love for us was on some level conditional. What we learned was that on some level that love hurts because their love is here right now, but it can be taken away. It can disappear at a moment's notice. So I can't trust it. It's not consistent. It's not always going to be there. And it depends on my performance. Now, as soon as there's a performative conditionality to love that we get from our caregivers, our parents, what happens is that we start judging parts of ourselves. And we start reshaping and, you know, re-architecting our sense of self to showcase parts and ways of being that we think will get us love and hiding, repressing, suppressing aspects of ourself that will cause love to be taken away. So what happens is that as we develop and our psyche, our ego structure is forming, we start 
fragmenting and compartmentalizing internally. And we create this front-end personality and this back-end personality. And as we get fragmented in this way, we lose touch with who we are authentically. Because now we're playing the game of who do I need to be to get love and who do I need to be to keep love. And most parents are on their own journey. They, there's a lot of trauma in the world and they were dealing with theirs. And a lot of times parenting was happening in a less conscious way. And some of a parent's stuff appears in their child's experience because if the parent is, let's say they grew up in a very harsh environment. Their parents weren't expressive with them in terms of love. They weren't very effusive in their presence and validation. How they learned to love was in a conditional way. So this gets perpetuated down generationally. But as kids, when we grow up with this conditional sense of love, we grow up and we try to find partners who will love us in the way that we've never been loved before. So we're basically filtering for partners who are going to be the perfect epitome of that unconditional love that we didn't get. And now, because I'm trying to find someone who's going to love me in the way that I've always wanted, that I never got loved in that way, what happens is that we start manicuring our self, our personality, and we start putting our best foot forward. But also that involves hiding parts of ourselves. Because there is a subconscious sense that if they really see me, they're not going to like me because that's what happened when I was young. If they see me, if they really see me, if they really know who I am, then it's, it's going to turn them off in some way. They're going to get upset. They're going to say, that's it, I'm out. And that them leaving is going to bring up that original pain of rejection, that original wound of abandonment. and. We do everything we can to avoid feeling that all over again. And so we try to make ourselves perfect. We do everything we can to make ourselves perfect. What we also do is we use all of these forms of distance regulation to keep people at a distance. We were talking to someone in the previous episode where literally she would mainly have long distance relationships because intimacy felt scary. And that was a way to control the distance and make sure no one got too close. And so we have all of these ways to keep people at arm's length and manage the distance because that distance creates a sense of control and safety that we won't be hurt. But the challenge is that what we want deeply is someone to fully be attached to us, bonded to us, um, see us, validate us, and be with all of it. But we never allowed them to come close enough. So we're basically living in a state of perpetual separation and disconnection, wanting it, but as soon as someone comes close, we push it away. Are you speaking my life story? Yeah, and just to close the picture now, in our relationship, you let out thunderous farts. Like the other day, <laughs> I honestly was afraid for my life. It was quite scary. That was a really terrifying act of flatulence. And when I looked at you in sheer horror, you just looked back and laughed. And that's how comfortable you are now. <laughs> Did I blow you away? 
Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, you did blow Thank me. You. you also blew the entire bathroom away. Somebody's got to do it. And if it's not going to be you, it's got to be me. That's funny, but it's also really real because we were talking to someone, remember when it was this societal trope was coming up of, oh, women don't fart, women don't shit. And this whole like, it's a meme culturally, but people believe it where women can't be seen to have normal human bodily functions because they have to appear perfect. Because if they were human, if they farted and they shat, then they wouldn't be liked. They wouldn't be sexy. They wouldn't be beautiful. They wouldn't retain the approval and attraction that otherwise being perfect in as many ways as possible affords them. And yeah, it's definitely sewn into the fabric of our collective psyche. This idea of being quote unquote ladylike. What does ladylike even mean? I, my father, who's an amazing dad, would say things like that. He wasn't aware of the conditioning that gets imprinted when he says stuff like that. Would be about if I sneeze too loud, if I peed with the door open, if something that was considered unattractive to the male gaze would happen then I would be told, be more ladylike or sneeze more quietly. And so it is fascinating now to look at the signs in our relationship that really let me know that we've created a secure connection. And when I say secure connection, which is not something I had ever really experienced previously, it is that I know I can be fully myself whether you approve of that or not, whether you agree uh, with what I'm saying or whether it's something you yourself would do and the connection will still be there. Or the conversation can be had where we talk about what just happened and we can be in connection through that and we can share honestly and we can agree to disagree and we can do so with a level of respect for one another. And the root of that is the secure attachment you develop with yourself, because it's the secure attachment you have with yourself that ensures that if I don't approve of you, you'll still approve of you. If tomorrow I decide that I want out of the relationship, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to be the end of your world because you still have yourself, right? You're not abandoning yourself. And we talk about this in the school where we, we talk about how adults can't be abandoned. And some adults definitely feel abandoned when a relationship comes to an end or their partner breaks up with them. But a big component of that experience is that they haven't developed that secure attachment with themselves. So when their partner leaves, their entire world falls apart because there isn't that internal structure that creates safety, that creates intimacy with self. And the only experience of intimacy now is walking out the door. So it's very intense and it's very visceral. And that's the experience that we're trying to avoid when we sabotage intimacy. Because I used to do this too. I wouldn't let people come get too close because deep down I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid that if they saw me, if they knew me, if they fully saw all parts of myself, that they would be like, eh, I'm good. Not for me, not my cup of tea. And I really wanted to be liked. 
because I didn't get that approval, that validation from my parents, I didn't feel approved of at a fundamental level. And it wasn't a surprise that for most of my life, I didn't approve of myself. And I would medicate that deep self-abandonment and self-rejection with connection with other people and with sex, with relationships, dating, whatever. And it never actually filled that gap. It, the void remained a void till I decided to completely take a break from relating to other people and sat in the crushing just really painful pits of despair where I had to actually hold space for the parts of me that I had long abandoned, I had long rejected. And I was doing everything I could to medicate that pain, but that pain was still there. In fact, it, the, the pain just got stronger. And what was the turning point for you? So those who listening, those who really relate to this can have a practical sense for how they can let go of the subconscious sabotage and really just have what they want, which is a deeply fulfilling, safe, passionate relationship. Yeah, so I'll give two answers here because my I'll share my experience and I'll also caveat that my experience doesn't have to be your roadmap because now I have the benefit of having done this the hard way. I can offer an easier way for, for all of you who are listening. So what I chose to do was basically go in a monk mode in a way. And I decided that I was going to ground myself and I was like literally ground myself, no travel, no running around, no distracting myself with anything. And I would just sit with myself. And I did that for a few years. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done because I spent my entire life running away from myself and using every mechanism that I could find to avoid being with myself. And I realized that because all my relationships followed the same trajectory and I never felt like deeply intimate with anyone and because I, I never let them see me and I would attract partners who would, who were a perfect fit for my trauma and we would play out whatever dance that we needed to and they would, they would all follow roughly the same trajectory. So I knew that if I didn't look inward, and really learn to be with myself and sit with myself, even with the, and the hardest, most painful parts of that experience, I'm never going to have a healthy relationship because relationships would be a glorified bypass mechanism for me to avoid being intimate with myself. And that's not intimacy, right? That's, a, that's another coping mechanism. Relationships can be another coping mechanism. And that's why there's a lot of people who've been in relationships for years, decades, but they don't actually feel intimate. They don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel this deep sense of secure, bonded attachment. So until I, it was only when I developed that, that connection with myself by sitting through the, the wounds that I had experienced and being loving, being unwavering with myself, even I'd wake up and cry on the carpet for hours. I would feel grief. I would feel despair. I would feel loneliness. And it was crushing. It was intense. But I knew that for me, the way, the only way was through. Now, you can obviously do that if any of this resonates, but we can get to the same place 
also through relationship. And it is through a conscious, more aware kind of relationship that allows us to get to the same place. Because this is ultimately a relational process. And you and I have done a lot of that work together in this relationship, right? It's, and that is the practice of taking the exquisite risk to open to connection. So if you're listening to this and you resonate with this idea of sabotaging love, you resonate with this idea of using distance regulators to keep people away so they don't fully see you because deep down you may fear rejection or you may be afraid of losing yourself. You may be afraid of losing your autonomy, your freedom. You built a beautiful life. And you're like, oh, if I let someone in, I might lose that. So there's also the other big core childhood wound, which is the fear of being controlled. Some of us, me in particular, I grew up having my individuality, my sovereignty, really overridden, very controlled. So I grew up pushing back against any attempt or any situation that would cause me to feel controlled. And that's one of the reasons why I was a commitment folk for so long. <laughs> because I didn't want to lose my freedom. Whether it's the fear of rejection or the fear of being controlled, we use distance regulators to keep people at arm's length, keep people away, and buffer against intimacy. If that's you, the practice is actually letting people in and doing so in a very conscious, intentional, safe way. It could be as simple as when you're on a date share something about yourself that you would usually not share. Something that you may not be fully, you're not fully proud of maybe, right? Taking these opportunities, maybe with a friend, maybe with a family member or someone else where you, who you feel safe with, letting them see parts of you that feel a little vulnerable, that you're not, you know, totally sure of. And the more we take these exquisite risks to open our hearts and the other person's still there, right? And obviously you can do this with a partner too. And you can preface it. Like, hey, would you be okay if I shared something that feels really vulnerable for me to share? Hey, would it be okay if I let you see me in a space that feels really challenging for me? And when we do this and the person is still there, they don't reject us. They don't act in the way that we're expecting them to because the brain's a predictive machine, right? We have a... Oh computational engine that's constantly making predictions about what the other person's going to do based on what we experienced growing up. As soon as someone does something different, it creates what we call a prediction error. And as soon as the brain encounters a prediction error, it forces a recalculation of your entire computational logic. And your computational logic is basically the internalized schema for yourself, for intimacy, for relationships, and the world that you imprint and you created in during your childhood as you were growing up based on the experiences you were having. Now, this throws a wrench in that whole prediction system and it forces a recalculation. And now the recalculation has to include this new data. This new data is that, oh, wow, you're still here. And not only are you still here, but you're smiling. Uh, maybe there's tears in your eyes because you're really with me. I feel you with me. And you're your gaze feels loving and you seem so soft and nurturing and I can really feel you feeling me and you feel me feeling you. And 
we are in this beautiful space of intimacy. And in this moment, that intimacy actually feels safe. And this gives us a new uh, reference point for intimacy, one that is safe, one that allows us to actually be ourselves and still maintain connection. And as soon as we have a new reference point, then the brain's naturally going to choose that. And we're going to start seeing all the places, all the possibilities, all the ways in which intimacy can be safe. And then if we keep exploring in that direction, we can open into a completely new universe where the possibility for the depth of intimacy we can experience is absolutely mind-blowing. And that's really what we've done for ourselves and for each other in this relationship. And there's nothing more exquisite in the universe. And that's really what we're helping women do in the Aligned Attraction School. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. I feel like my life has followed a pretty similar trajectory. And something I want to speak to that we often talk about on the calls inside the program is this idea of creating our own internalized mother and father, different than our biological parents, different than other people, but this sense inside of us that we are cultivating the characteristics and the capacity of the archetypal mother and the archetypal father. The archetypal mother embodying qualities such as, but not limited to, nurturance, unconditional love, emotionality, intuition, fluidity, like just this pool of acceptance. And the archetypal father being qualities like leadership, boundaries, being a space of unwavering presence meeting us with a healthy sense of discipline so that we can form a, a sense of self and know where I end and you begin. And there are so many other qualities that we can speak to, but when we didn't grow up with a mother and father who played these kinds of roles, our responsibility as adults now is to cultivate the internal mother and father inside of us. And when we meet ourselves with those qualities, it creates a deep level of safety because we know that we can provide the container for ourselves to feel whatever needs to be felt, to experience whatever needs to be experienced, and to create the boundary system that allows us to feel safe, that allows us to get our needs and desires fulfilled, and that we're also meeting all of these tender parts of us and all these emotions with nurturance, love, acceptance. And so that's been one of my biggest practices is cultivating my inner mother and inner father and creating those parts of me to fulfill the needs that I didn't have fulfilled in childhood for my biological parents. And in doing so, I feel deeply safe inside of myself in most situations such that I don't need to outsource that to you anymore. I have way less of an expectation of who you need to be and way more of a desire around how I want to experience myself in our relationship. And that creates a lot of freedom. It creates a lot of freedom inside of me because now I'm not always pulling at you for something. So I'm not feeling like I'm going, having like very existential needs go unmet. It gives you freedom to be you. You don't have to operate by in some construct that I've decided for you. 
And it creates freedom in our relationship that we just get to be us. And when a need arises, when a boundary gets crossed or when a desire comes up, we express it and we have a conversation about it. And then we negotiate or we co-create. And that has been such a, a, a big a big discovery in our relationship for both of us. And you're right. This is exactly what we teach women inside Aligned Attraction. And we're really going to be taking a deep dive into this at the Sexy Secure Love virtual retreat this Saturday. So if you're listening to this, whether you're single or partnered, we want to have you there. And if you hear this before September 16th, 2023, register at sexysecurelove.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Join us live. If you're hearing this after or you can't join us live, go to that domain anyway and sign up for the replay. Because you too can have the freedom to loudly fart right in front of your partner without fearing that you're going to lose them. I think it turned you on. I, you, I think that's what you want to believe. And I'll Come let on. you keep that one. Come on, baby. You love it. This is honestly the, the most powerful and the deepest work we can do. Because this is the deep down, every human being, their deepest desire in this world is to be seen, to be known to be met, to be celebrated for the depths of who they are. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you've been through. You absolutely deserve it. And I just want you to know that it's possible for you. And if you're around on Saturday, come join us live so we can help you actually create that. And if you didn't catch this in time, definitely check out the replay. This is going to be power packed and it's going to change your life. And we'll make sure that we drop the link for the replay, the proper link in the show notes. So if you're hearing this and sexysecurelove.com didn't work for some reason for the replay, check the show notes and it'll be there. All right. Thanks for being with us today. We are wishing you all so much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that www.leenoto.com. Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.